0: Matthew 4, verses 23 through 25. And he, Jesus, (coughs) went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your precious word We just ask that you plant your seed deep in the hearts of those who hear this message and that you cause them to protect it and to meditate on it, that it may take root and bear fruit in their lives. Thank you for your precious anointing that breaks every yoke, Lord. We thank you that we are here to help heal, empower, love, and prosper the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jesus had developed a huge following. People had heard of him not only in Galilee, which was sort of the economic uh, area of the culture in Galilee. But also in the Decapolis, which is uh, which was more of a, a Greek culture, and in Jerusalem, which is was obviously the religious center of of their world at the time, and Judea, and then it says beyond the Jordan. That's the Arabic. Nations. You see, his fame was reaching all over the known world at that time. And the followers and the multitudes that were coming to see and to witness these things and to bring people to be healed, there were enormous numbers of them. And I'm, I'm showing you what they're pointing out here through Galilee being an economic culture, the Decapolis, the Greek culture. Jerusalem the religious center and the Arab nations as well because his sphere of influence had grown a great deal and he had lots of followers who were coming and I want to talk to you as we enter into chapter 5 about the Beatitudes today we'll get started on it but I'm not going to go very far because there's so much to it and I don't think that most people have ever heard it this way or thought about it this way. And that's why I'm so excited to begin to share this with you because this has really blessed me. And now I'm going to pass it on to you and it'll be helpful in ministry because see what Jesus was doing here. Well, let me just read Matthew chapter five, verse one, seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. Who came to him? The disciples. And he opened his mouth and taught them. Do you see that? How many of you have a big picture, or you've seen one, or you've been in in churches, Sunday school, that had the picture of Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, and he's up on a mountain and he's preaching down into the valley and preaching to thousands of followers. That's not what happened. Jesus had all of these followers, thousands upon thousands. He saw them. He went up on the mountain. He typically did this to pray. The disciples came to him on the mountain and he opened his mouth and began to teach them. He was teaching the 12 disciples whom he had called out of the world. He he was preparing a team to help him with his ministry needs. Hello. Hello. In ministry, they say working alone has its privileges. Survival isn't one of them. <laughs> you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go with the team. Jesus understood that he was going to need help. Of course, he understood a lot more than that. He understood that he was preparing them to help him with his earthly ministry, which was going to go on for just three and a half years. He had prepared for 30 years for this time. He had not done anything prior to being baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin John the Baptist as far as miracles, signs, and wonders go. Nothing ever registered in the Bible. I believe that that's when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he prepared for God's promise, for God's program, for God's plan for 30 years for this three and a half year ministry. And now he was entering into it. He was becoming very famous in the sense that people had heard of him. They knew he was healing and he was preaching this good news and he needed help. And he chose 12 and he began to disciple them for the work of the ministry. Yeah. He had to raise these guys up and instruct them in the ways of God because he had chosen them right out of the world. They were they raw. Were he didn't go and God didn't pick religious leaders who already knew the word he chose these men that were from all walks of life many of them despised a tax collector was the most hated person in the jewish culture because they were chosen from their people to collect ungodly taxes and exorbitant taxes from the people for rome who who was uh, over them at the time And they usually took a lot more than they were required even by Rome and kept whatever else they could get for themselves. Mm -hmm. They weren't trusted. They were despised. And Matthew was one of them. Peter was just a rough old cussing fisherman, you know? So anyway, he was preparing a team for ministry. Let's read. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So he's talking to his disciples. Makes more sense now when you think of it. Listen to that, don't you? Because he was telling them they were going to be reviled and persecuted because of him. And that's what they had done to the prophets that came before them. <clears throat> but I want to get into the beautiful lessons that he was teaching here in the Beatitudes because this is a great training um, uh, passage of Scripture uh, for everyone because what it is, it's really uh, a progression of the Christian life from the new birth all the way through to maturity. So I want to begin looking at that and try to help you understand that because you can always rely upon the Beatitudes to draw strength and encouragement and direction for yourself and also to teach others. Verse Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is talking about the new birth. This is for everybody because Jesus died for the whole world. Mm-hmm. So in this sense, you are blessed even as a sinner. Many don't know it, but they have really won the lottery. And it's, it's sort of like Someone who wins the lottery and never goes down and claims their prize. People to do that unknowingly, of course. But you know, just like someone who doesn't go down and claim their lottery winnings, people of the world are completely blessed and they still may die in poverty. Spiritually. Because you have to claim your winnings. (laughs) The Eagles, who we listened to a lot growing up, I did, they have a song that says we live our lives in chains never knowing we have the key. And that's the way it is with everyone in the world that doesn't accept Jesus. Jesus. As their Lord and Savior. But through the Beatitudes. We find that blessings are attached to every area of life. The kingdom of heaven is already provided for the destitute in spirit. The totally bankrupt sinner. All he has to do is claim it. But it's our job to let them know. If, if it weren't for us, for those who Jesus has left here to preach the gospel and to share the good news, then we would just go straight to heaven when we're saved. Because he's trying to build the kingdom and give everyone the same opportunity that you had to hear the good news and accept it by faith. Over in John chapter 16. John chapter 16 verses 8 and 9. It says this. Well, what does it say? And when he comes. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. The issue with the sinner is not his individual sins. And that's what they think most of the time. It's sin, singular. Rejection of Jesus. That's the only sin that is going to keep people out of heaven. Believe it or not. Because Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the entire world. Through the new birth, God's kingdom has already been provided. And so the sinner just needs to receive it by faith in Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. Chapter 5, verse 18 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. Well, oh, I wonder that it doesn't go that far. It's First Corinthians. 2 <laughs> Corinthians five eighteen through 21 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mankind has been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. People are fighting a war that has already been won. Every religion and many denominations even when within this religion or which are religious they're not in relationship is my point are struggling with with the fact that they're trying to earn something that's been provided freely through the death of Jesus Christ and so what mankind needs now Is to be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus. Because Jesus paid for all their sins already. But until they claim the victory and the salvation that's been provided through the atonement of Jesus Christ by faith in Jesus Christ, they're still in poverty. Still in their sin. So all mankind needs to receive Jesus and become righteousness and become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So that righteousness is obtained by faith, not by works. And so it's it's our privilege to share with others, hey, Jesus died for you, man. He died for your sins. He already paid for it all. All you need to do is put your trust in him and you'll go to heaven. (laughs) You know, that's a great message right there. That's the message that we're charged with. He, the, the great commission that Jesus gave us. The last thing he did was this covenant, this, this charge to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Matthew 5, 4 is the next part of the Beatitudes, as it were. It says, blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. Mourning is part of life. With Christians and with the world. Sinners and saints. We go through hard times in our lives. We have certain amount of unhappiness. And tragedy. Trials and troubles. And death comes to all of our doors. And it hurts. We mourn. We go through troubles. The Bible talks a little bit about the reasons that we mourn. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4. He says, There is a time to mourn and a time to dance. There are times in our lives, some of them are not happy. The joy of the Lord, though, is an abiding fruit of the Spirit of God, for those who know Jesus, isn't it? There's a time when we celebrate and we we dance, so to speak. We have joy uh, through various things. We we have a I have a, a two year old granddaughter. Many of you have experienced that joy: children and just marriage and. Uh, all sorts of reasons to celebrate in this life. More and more, my prayer is for people to be saved. And so, when I see someone I love and or, or care about, or really just even anyone, <laughs> but you know, we're all praying for everyone that we know and love, work with, and all that to be saved. That's, that's no nothing else really matters. And once you know that, it's hard not to be pulling for that day and night for the rest of your life and when one does i celebrate you know i know i'll see him again then i've become very aware of the brevity of this life and i'm encouraged to try that much harder to make sure that no one is left behind amen, amen. That's a reason to celebrate and then once people do die and they don't know him, or not that I'm aware of. It's a reason to mourn, and there are other things that happen. Lots of things happen that causes that. Proverbs twenty nine two says, "When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people mourn." And we understand what that means, especially in our uh, culture. Although we are so blessed, and we have everything to be thankful for here. At least it's not like over in in Africa where Boko Haram is uh, is killing Christians left and right by the hundreds and uh, that they're being blown up in their churches even in Europe now and things like that. But the persecution of Christians is by far the number one uh, religious persecution in the world. Of course, on the corrupt media, you will only hear about uh, the, the bombing or burning of a uh of a, uh, what, do you, what do you call the uh, uh, uh muslim uh, uh, uh places of worship and things like that which that's terrible too that should never happen but but when it's christians dying you don't hear anything about it on tv and i don't understand and uh, and they've also become very anti-semitic so they don't seem to give as high regard uh you know to jews being persecuted or, um, or killed as as they do Muslims for some reason, but uh, I'm not for anyone being persecuted or killed because for any reason. Because as Christians, we are we celebrate and know the God of life and love, and so we always are hoping for people to be converted. But we definitely will not do any harm to them if they don't. Amen, and we won't allow others. And so it's odd that people hate Christians more. Eighty percent of all the religious persecution in the world is done to Christians, but you don't hear those sort of numbers. But when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. That's why I rejoice over the present uh, administration um, in the, at least in the executive branch, uh, in Washington, and in the the Senate. But. Uh, and it doesn't mean that everyone is righteous and everything that they do are righteous, but the agenda is righteous. They've done more for the church than any other president in our, uh, in, in our lifetime and probably ever. And uh, it, it came at a, a perfect time because uh, there was a period of many years there where things were being done uh, overtly and covertly to destroy the church and uh, the the fact that this is a Christian nation. But we believe God has intervened and we're thankful for that. And so it's a time to celebrate in that regard. Hosea chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says, No truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. Violence breeds more violence. And we see that all around the world and even in our nation, that people just have no awareness, no knowledge of God. And it's our job to help them, to to try to reach them, even though they are not very lovable. (laughs) Uh, Some of these people that are so hateful and so angry and so violent, we still pray for them and we try to reach them with the message of the good news of the kingdom of God and how Jesus has died for their sins and all they have to do is receive it by faith receive him by faith Isaiah 61 verse 2 and 3 says that Jesus came to comfort all who mourn and uh, we are in Christ that's our job as well to comfort those who mourn Sinners, they don't have any real comfort outside of the strength of their own flesh, outside of their personal character or input from the world and from their friends. They don't have any comfort. People they know will try to comfort them, of course. But what I'm saying is as believers, we have the word of God and we have the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is always a blessing. So this, this scripture, the only part of the Beatitudes that's for an unsaved person is the part that we just touched on that said, blessed are the poor in spirit, because there's an opportunity for them to receive freely a renewed spirit and the salvation and relationship with God that Jesus came to provide. All the rest of the Beatitudes are for Christians. For those who are saved. And it's a progression. And we'll get into that more and more as we go. But here, for those who mourn, they shall be comforted. So we've talked about mourning and the fact that we all mourn. And the reasons why we mourn. But the comfort is something that's very special, special. Something that's very special in the life of a believer. Because we have the comforter. The comforter is the Holy Spirit and he has been given to us. He was poured out on the day of Pentecost, which is coming up soon. Fifty days after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus in that room, they received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And now we have the comforter. He was talked about. Well, he's mentioned four times in the gospel and, and all in the book of John. John 14 I'll show you real quickly, just for your reference. John 14, verse 16. Says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so this is the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Verse 26, right down past there, says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. And then if you turn the page over to chapter 15, verse 26... You see, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me. So we have the Comforter. Of, and there's a, there's there's another one. If you just look over to sixteen, verse, chapter sixteen, verse seven. And then I'll stop. But it says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Start Jesus speaking. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The helper is the comforter, is the Holy Spirit, is our consoler when we mourn. Amen. And he is the one who comes and comforts. The world does not have opportunity to benefit from this because they neither know him or have seen him. And they don't believe in him, so they will not receive Until we get out and get the good news to them. And help them to believe on Jesus. As the father draws them to himself. And we plant that seed. Impregnate them with the seed of the word of God. Amen. Amen. But our comfort. Comes from the comforter. Who lives in us. Now we have all the abiding fruit of the spirit because of the holy spirit who dwells in us all the love joy and peace patience kindness goodness faith gentleness and meekness is all part of who we are now because it's all the abiding fruit of the spirit that dwells in us and we can draw upon those things and as he recalls it to our memory everything that jesus has said we have comfort as, he, he, as we draw on the love, joy, and peace that live inside of us now, we have comfort. And so it's a blessing to know him and to, Jesus said, it's good that I left because now I can send him and he can be with all of you all the time. Amen. So our comfort is supernatural. It's not worldly. It's not human. And the comfort that we receive from the Holy Spirit, it's not like... The comfort that the world receives it's not sympathy it's consolation it's comfort with divine peace a real answer to our problems amen so it's better by far than anything that the world has to offer that's why i tell people don't turn to your friends who will agree with you whenever you have a problem turn to the lord you have the comforter you have the the author of truth abiding in you and he will console you and comfort you with divine peace he will give you help you to draw upon the peace love and joy that you have and and that will then you'll really be helped i think that uh, i think that it's always better to draw upon the peace and comfort of the lord uh, because it requires faith and when we operate in faith. It's good. We know that without faith, it's impossible to please God because we receive faith from the word, from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and as we draw upon it, we will be comforted. Look at Jesus as he as he got the disciples into the boat that day and told them to go across to the other side. You remember that of the Sea of Galilee? Well, and they are. This is the time I'm talking about is when they were going and they had been rowing and rowing and there was a terrible storm that came up and it looked like they were going to be sunk. Mm -hmm. And Jesus was where? Asleep in the back of the boat. He was just resting. Why? Because he was operating in faith. He spoke and said, let's go over to the other side. You hear this all the time. He didn't say, let's go halfway and sink or drown. He said, let's go to the other side. And within those words and within that instruction was all the power and provision for that to take place. So it was going to happen. <clears throat> so they came to the Lord and cried out to him and complained and, and said he didn't care. And, and he, he calmed the sea and the wind and the waves. And that was good, but you know, just like George was mentioning earlier about God's plan will come to pass, but we don't know when. There's a appointed time. I think the better way for us to go through uh, the storms of life is just do what Jesus did: sleep through it. You know, (laughs) take that pillow of comfort from the Holy Spirit, the truth of God's word, the promises of God. God said it, that settles it. I'm resting on it, you know, instead of begging and pleading, crying out and just say, hey, no, this is what God said. I know the storms are raging around me, but they're not going to get me because God said, I think God likes that a lot better. Look over in second Corinthians talking about the comfort we receive from the Lord, how we are blessed. This is a blessing. This is this is something that will track us down, overtake us the blessings of God through the Beatitudes. And this is through the Christian walk. But in second Corinthians chapter one, look at verses three and four, because everything that we get from God That is good. Which everything from him is good. It's not just for us is it? It's for us to share. With others. First Corinthians. Or second Corinthians. I'm sorry. Look at second Corinthians. I do that a lot. Second Corinthians chapter one. Verse three and four. Says. Blessed be the God and father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. The father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So he gives to us, we give to others. If God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. This goes for everything because it's all in seed form, isn't it? You know, God, people, people talk about things in this life. God doesn't care about us having things. He wants us to be blessed and prosper. He just doesn't want him to have us. And if, and if he can be sure that we're going to be the sprinkler that waters all the garden around us, then he's going to be sure to to, to turn that, turn that spigot on full force. Amen. And then the sprinkler always stays wet. <laughs> so we'll, we'll benefit always. So we should all be believing for, for good things. But God is the God of all comfort. What we receive from God, we, we owe to each other. So we want to help the world, the people that are in the entry level of the Beatitudes, that are poor in spirit, spiritually bankrupt, who have not receive the regenerated spirit from god those people need us just like our brothers and sisters who mourn we're supposed to give special care to our brothers and sisters in christ you know that but we're also called to love the whole world and to try to reach them only the holy spirit that's living in us can comfort any believer in any situation though and it's always good when it's a Christian to try to remind them of the help that they already have because many Christians really identify as the world does and that's all that they know. They don't even understand who they are in Christ. They struggle with huge identity crisis and they don't even know what they have. In a way, they're they're like lottery winners who haven't claimed their prize either. They may have claimed the major prize of salvation but now they go through life just thinking that's all until they get to heaven. Many people think that the Beatitudes are talking about in the millennial reign here in the world. But they're not. Just like they thought that that Jesus was preaching this to the multitudes. He wasn't. He was teaching his disciples, raising him up for the work of the ministry to help him. So... We have the help and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The world does not. <clears throat> what time we got here? I'm going to probably stop there today because I want to get into the next verse, which talks about uh, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be exciting. And you're going to see it in a way that you haven't seen it before, and it's going to bless you, and it's going to inspire you to great faith in the things that you're believing for from God. Amen? Amen. But we're going to stop here for today and just be thankful to the Lord for teaching us about those who... uh, have opportunity to come to him and i would just ask that anybody who hears this message if you haven't received if you haven't entered into just the first scripture of the beatitudes if you're still poor in spirit if you're still lacking the relationship with the lord jesus christ that you have heard about here today and you want it well good it's free And if you think that your sins have kept you away from God and that your sins are too great for God. No, they're not. Nothing's too big for God. And there's no sin that's a big deal in his eyes uh, in the sense that he can't forgive you because he's already forgiven all your sins. Now you just need to accept Jesus Christ, his son, as your Lord and Savior. He died for your sins. He was crucified. He was buried. On the third day, he was resurrected. And he lives today. And he's in heaven right now at the right hand of the Father, interceding and praying for you, that you would come to know him in Jesus' name. I just pray this, and I just want to encourage you to call upon the Lord Jesus and be saved. And those that are mourning today, I would just say, be encouraged um, and... If you do know the Lord, then call upon the help of the Holy Spirit. Draw upon the Holy Spirit. Ask him to remind you of things that Jesus has said and to comfort you and to console you and to give you new direction and and a new outlook on things uh, and be comforted. And we just thank you, Lord, for your precious word. We thank you for all the truth that... You have brought forth today and all the good things that you have in store as we go through these Beatitudes and learn more and more about our progress from from being babies in Christ to our spiritual maturity. And we're going to really tap into that beginning next week. And we just thank you, Lord, for the anointing in Jesus name. amen. Amen.